Welcome, beautiful people, to Camp Koji. My name is Joel, and thank you for joining me as I break down the biggest gaming news from the week that was on the only podcast we will ever need. Today, we're going to talk about some new info from inside Xbox and Animal Crossing being removed in China. But first, I want to talk about the DualSense PlayStation 5 controller. Sony, just out of the blue last week, decided to uh, unveil the PlayStation 5 controller in a PlayStation blog post just kind of out of nowhere no warning no nothing uh i actually found this really weird for a few reasons number one i definitely did not expect them to show the controller without the box i kind of felt that they were just going to kind of just blow do do sort of a blowout just do everything at once show the box show the controller at the same time start showing off some games so i'm really really surprised that sony decided um to just show the controller there's like this part of me that kind of feels like was this part of the planning or there's almost a a part of me that felt um could this be kind of in response to that sort of gdc very technical talk that they released that talk video that they released which didn't really go too well publicly you know was this sort of a response to it um so i i found it kind of weird that they would just outright just show the controller without showing the box you know one funny thing is that um you, you know when, when i saw this announcement i felt it's kind of funny that sony put the logo on stage <laughs> you know a few months back they spent about a minute just just showing the logo and talking about it and then the fact that the controller didn't even get that much of a focus it was just just sort of just putting out some photos i thought at the very least um they should have done kind of a cool slick 3d uh sort of 360 view kind of video of the controller just like a really slick way of introducing and talking about the different features instead of just showing the three images but you know this is the way that sony decided to 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 do it so let's just talk about the controller number one is called the dual sense uh, as we all know the PlayStation controllers have been called dual shocks for quite some time and that's Mostly because of the rumble feature, I believe that's really what the dual shock and then the, the 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 two thumbsticks. Oh no, it was because there were two rumble motors, which is why it was called the dual shock. I think I think that was uh, why it was. Now they went with dual sense for the name of this controller uh, because of the haptic feedback system that's built into the controller, and they also added adaptive triggers for the L2 and R2 buttons. Uh, which, if I'm not mistaken, we kind of already knew this was in the controller when they uh, talked about this. I forgot what website kind of had that scoop last year where they where they were able to try out the controller. Um, can't remember who it was. I'm thinking it was Wired, but I, I might not be 100% sure about that. So we were kind of aware of it having a haptic feedback system and the fact that if you, you know, I think driving games were the one that... Um, was used an example driving over ice is different than driving over dirt and things like that and then the addition of the adaptive triggers which is something that microsoft added with the xbox one where you would feel you know uh rumbles when you're shooting a gun on the right trigger for example or um if you're playing a racing game and you kind of hit some gravel on the left you would feel on the left trigger um you know, look, the adaptive trigger thing, to tell you the truth, it's one of those features on the Xbox um, One control that I honestly don't even think about, which 
now that I'm thinking about it, I don't know if that's a good thing or a bad thing. You know, sometimes you, you, you don't know something is, it, it, someone's doing a good job if you don't notice it's bad. It's not really just about noticing that something is, is great. You know, like, have you ever watched a movie and then all of a sudden a song comes on that's supposed to score the scene? You go, this song doesn't really make sense for the scene. But then if it does make sense, you're just so kind of uh, focused on the scene that you don't really recognize music because it all just matches. And that's sort of how I'm feeling about the adaptive triggers. I'm not sitting here saying that they didn't add anything to the Xbox One, but I also can't sit here and say they were a great feature or a bad feature because it might be that so ingrained into the game. I can't, e I'm not even thinking about it. Um, the haptic feedback system does sound um, pretty cool, but at the end of the day, you know, these are all just buzzwords. I know there's a lot of people that agree with me in the terms of, you know what, I just have to try the controller out. I need it in my hand in order to really see what this system is about. I remember when that article did drop last year where uh, those journalists were able to try the controller, they did um, have a positive reaction to it. They felt that was pretty cool. So, you know, we'll just have to wait and see. Um, to, to, to try it ourselves. Um, they also announced that the microphone, the microphone, the controller has a built-in microphone array. As part of a patent filed in February and published this week, the manufacturer explained, uh, Sony, how its new pads, uh, quote, microphone array will operate. Um, and one line that was explained in that patent is, quote, captured sound can be processed to exclude sounds which do not emanate from a certain region of the interactive environment. This was illustrated by the patent document, which is just a fancy way of saying that the microphone built into the controller will do its best to cut out background noise, or if you're playing with someone else next to you, um, it will only pick up your voice and try to cut down as much on the background as possible. Now, a few things about this. Number one, that means that uh, exactly how it says in there, there's an, an array of microphones, which means they're not, there's not just a singular microphone in there. Uh, I think I was hearing that there are three microphones built into the um, control as part of the array, but I'm not 100% um, certain in terms of, uh, you know, if that's actually what it is or it might just be a rumor. Um, now, whenever I... I, I, I I hear things like this in terms of this is the way our device is meant to operate. Um, it's usually sometimes very different from the actual product that you get. And you won't really know until you try it out in terms of is this really going to do a good job of cutting out background noise? Um, or is this just I'm getting fancy technical jargon in terms of this is what it's supposed to do. But then you won't really realize uh, how good it is until you actually get the control in your hands and you're able to try it out or listening to other people um, playing it to see if it really does cut out on background noise. Um, my guess is I, I, I don't see how they will be able to do this really well. Um, just my thought. Now, if there's a company that I would trust with putting a microphone array into a controller and it actually working the way it's supposed to, I would trust Sony over any over Microsoft or Nintendo, for example. I would trust them more when it comes to sound to actually get it right as opposed to if Microsoft announced that they were going to put the same exact thing into the Xbox controller, for example. Um, we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, my, my big thing is how good 
actually is his controller based upon i mean just 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 think about it think about the natural position that you have when you're holding a controller and how far away it is from your mouth i just i kind of can't imagine it really doing that well i mean i i think the microphone array will do a great job of excluding tv noise probably because um it's probably calibrated to only pick up sounds from the very front of the controller instead of from the back um which is you know most times that's really where your controller is pointing at is towards towards the tv that would be the back of the controller so i see it doing well with that but in terms of um excluding outside noise is sort of a um obviously a wait and see approach um it still does have a headphone jack at the bottom when they first showed the images once again Another reason why they should have done just sort of a really short video um, showing a 360 of everything about this controller um, and really and maybe even like a blowout showing the insides. I thought would have been really, really cool. Um, so one, once this, these images were uh, released, um, what starts to happen is that that was one of the first questions that people had in mind. Is there still a headphone jack? Can I still plug in um, uh, some headphones? Uh, just like I could with the PS4 controller and journalists had to do some digging and they finally did get an answer back from Sony or from someone within Sony that said, yes, there is a headphone jack at the bottom. So once again, another good reason why instead of just putting out images, they should have done like a 360 uh, video. So all the answers would have been there from the very beginning. Um, the other change is that the share button has been changed into the create button. Uh, they kept the built-in rechargeable battery, but it now has a USB-C port for charging. It's great to see both Microsoft and Sony um, going towards USB-C just for uh, uh, a better kind of unifying format across electronics. So that's a really, really good move. Um, the other big changes were the touchpad and the speaker did return and the light bar has been moved to the sides of the touchpad instead of being on the very top of the controller um now let me start off with the things that i do like about the controller number one the overall size looks much more comfortable and that's strictly speaking for myself i have pretty big hands so that's usually one of the reasons why i prefer the uh xbox one controller over any of the playstation ones i've never really been fans of actually any of the dual shocks just because the controllers are much not much smaller than the Xbox controller but they're small enough where it's a little tough um for me to handle the controller be super comfortable with it so i like that they did increase it a little bit more um the ergonomics of it do not look like they're going to be more comfortable than what we're seeing with the xbox controller from what i'm seeing um because there's not really a clear shot of the back i want to see what the indents look like on the back um that's the one thing that i do like about the xbox one controller i think the um the way that they shaped the sides of it is comfortable for people with big hands but it's also equally comfortable for people with small hands but i do like that their overall size they did increase kind of that uh i don't know for lack of a better term that footprint of it made it a little bit wider on the sides um so that's a a, a huge win in my opinion for the controller a lot of people when they first show this controller a lot of people were on twitter 
comparing it to the Xbox One controller and the fact that, oh, it looks like Sony just kind of copied the Xbox One controller. I, I, I really wouldn't throw it out in terms of being a direct copy. I really didn't see that. I didn't look at the DualSense and the first thing that popped in my head was, okay, this looks like an Xbox One controller. I don't think it does. Um, I, I think it's more about Sony getting as much feedback as they could about the DualShock 4. And I'm sure a lot of the feedback was there was a lot of people that wished it was just a little bit larger so it could be much more comfortable. Um, another thing that I like is I like that they took risks to differentiate from other controllers on the market. Um, the two-tone color, I think is actually do kind of like it. Um, uh, so I, I do like that they took sort of this risk when it came to not doing exactly what Microsoft did, which was pretty much just re-releasing the Xbox One controller. That's sort of what they did with the Series X. But I think that the way that Microsoft looked at the controller was they already built that perfect wheel and they didn't want to reinvent it. The problem with Sony is um, they never had the perfect wheel, in my opinion, when it came to the DualShock. I just don't think it was a great controller to begin with. And I think it's great that Sony finally <laughs> realized that, oh, you know, maybe there are some changes that we can make to this controller in order to make it a little bit more comfortable for people. But I like that they went with that two-tone color. I actually think it's, like I said, I, I personally just like it because it's a little bit different um, from what we're seeing um, with everything else that's out there on the market right now. Um the indent in the thumbsticks is long overdue. So there, one of the things that I absolutely uh, dislike about the DualShock is the fact that the control sticks are, are on the same axis. And I'll talk about that a little bit more uh, when I get into the conversation about what I don't like about the controller. But the one thing I, I've always disliked about PlayStation controls are the thumbsticks. They don't, they aren't indented for like this natural place for your thumb to sit. Um, and it makes it a lot harder to make fine movements if we're talking about a shooter, for example. It's not um, as easy to sort of just move the thumbstick a few increments if you kind of don't have that indent for your thumb to rest on. Um, so it's, it's really, really good that, uh, once again, Sony finally listened and they did put an indent on the thumbsticks. It's just kind of a long overdue change. So I really like that they did that. Um, I personally really do like the idea of a built-in microphone and it having a dedicated mute button. That's also a big thing for me. Um, I think the built-in microphone opens possibilities of games using voice commands. I've always kind of been a big fan of games having voice commands and i wish that more games had it um just as an easier way um for players to interact with their games or just do simple things like you know um, bring up my map or uh mark my next objective you know mark my next waypoint or something like that something easy for you to just bring out your voice and sort of have you know sort of a and an assistant instead of having to you know deep dive into different menus and things like that or imagine if you're playing a shooter and you 
say, you know, change my sensitivity to five or something like that. It's just a lot easier for you to see those incremental changes while you're still in the game. So small things like that, I think it's kind of cool. The fact that every system as a developer, you know, will ship with a microphone. You don't have to worry about someone having an external microphone. I think that does open up the possibility of games using voice commands or even at the very least, um, maybe it's not commands in order to, uh, you know, I'm, I'm thinking really small, obviously, when I, when I talk about, you know, saving time in terms of like going into um, menus and things like that. But it, it can also be built into the system. So if you were to say, you know, PlayStation record the last minute of my gameplay, record the last 30 seconds, um, you know, instead of it being dedicated to a button and then you having to go through those options, it'll be a lot easier if you have those voice commands. Or maybe it's within games and, you know, there are, you know, uh, you can interact with the game, you know, you're, you know, I could see a company like, um, shoot, what's the name of this company? I can't think of the name of the company right now, but um, the company that makes, you know, heavy, those heavy rain Detroit type of games, you know, I'm sure they, 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 they would love that option of, you know, there being a birthday cake and you have to blow into the microphone to blow out the candles. So, so things like that, I could see a lot of developers having fun um, um, with the built-in microphone. So it's, it's another option that to me is functional. It's not a gimmick in my opinion, because um, you already can use it practically just to quickly voice chat with players. Um, really, really good that it has a dedicated mute button. That's really, really important. Um, I think it would be great for Sony to code it into the system or have developers code it so that if you're playing online, uh, especially for the first, first time that it, it, you know, it automatically mutes the microphone and you have to unmute it rather than the other way around. I think that'd be pretty great. Um, but obviously we'll have to wait and see. And, you know, a lot of this really comes down to just how good that microphone is. But like I said, I do kind of trust Sony when it comes to those, uh, when, it, when it comes to a microphone. So I, I, I do like that. Um, and the last thing that I like about the controller is the PlayStation logo. I actually really, really like that it's an actual button. So I'm guessing that that's what acts as the home button for the system. I like that it's just kind of a carved out logo. Um, which aesthetically looks really good in the controller, but it also um, serves, it has a purpose, right? It's, it's the, uh, the home button. Um, now the things I don't like about this controller. Number one are the control sticks, still on the same axis. I can't, I can't stand this. I hate it. I think that, um, you know, there are enough examples throughout gaming history <laughs> where, you know, fundamentally we've, we've come to understand that having control sticks on separate axes is the right way to go um, for the widest range of video games. You know, if you're a Sony fan and you say to yourself that having these control, these, these analog sticks right next to each other rather than having the left stick on the top left and my right stick where it's always been is better, um, you know, I'm always one to respect opinions. Uh, but this is one opinion that I would say you're you're just wrong. Either you haven't played enough games with the axis on, um, oh, excuse me, with control sticks on separate axes, or you're just that much of a dedicated Sony fan that you just kind of can't get it or you don't see it. But no one will ever convince me otherwise. There's no way that having the control sticks on the same axes 
is superior to have them on different ones. Even 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 um, Nintendo came around to it when you look at the Pro Controller for the Switch. It it just makes sense. It just makes sense for 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 the way your um, hands rest a controller, especially with the triggers at the top. And when it comes to especially for first person shooters, it's just a it's a much more natural range of motion if you have those control sticks further apart and on different axes than if you have them on the same one. So for me, that was just a huge, huge miss, miss for Sony. I felt like there's so many things about this control that they finally made the changes and they did right in order to get away from that that DualShock um, silhouette, which I think was great. You know, the PlayStation, uh, I think it was a PlayStation 3 controller was probably one of my, my favorite out of the DualShock line. Um, and it definitely, in my opinion, really kind of pushed controllers forward at the time that I dropped, but it's it's time for a change. So I felt like they're making so many great changes. This was one that unfortunately I feel like they really missed on in order to kind of, you know, hit every, um, you know, hit every check on those boxes for me personally. Uh, the triggers are the other thing that I don't like. The triggers still aren't deep enough. Um, you know, even, even, uh, back in the day, Sega, even Sega got it right with the Dreamcast controller when it came to the way that triggers should be for video games. The fact that they're actually, um, shoot, I don't really know exactly what the word I'm looking for. I want to use the word indented, but, um, the fact that it, it, it does mimic an actual real life trigger um it's a lot easier for your finger to rest into the one thing i've always hated about the playstation controller especially the ps4 controller is the way that the triggers are they're they're super flat you know you your 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 finger just doesn't naturally rest on it it can slip off very easily um and then now you're talking about adding that adaptive feedback to it um, and excuse me, what's the name of it? Adaptive triggers. Um, so they adapt the feedback to the triggers. Um, the fact that I remember for the PlayStation 4, when you rested it on a table, you know, it would accidentally always hit the button. And it looks like that's probably still the case with the way it looks. So once again, just another box on that checklist that they could have marked correctly if they just would have admitted that those triggers are better than the ones that they created. Like there are a lot of things as a manufacturer that you have to admit it's, it's okay to admit when you look at your competitors and say, okay, they, this is definitely better than what I have. You know, at some point manufacturers had to look at what Nintendo did with the D pad and the control stick and say, that's better than what I came up with. I, I should go that way. And I feel like that's the way that we go with triggers. And I remember that being a huge part of the Dreamcast uh, for me personally was just the shape of the triggers was, yeah, this is this is great. And then Microsoft, in my opinion, just completely perfected it. So the fact that they wouldn't go with those type of triggers, just uh, super weird. Um, what else I don't like? The colored buttons are iconic. I do not understand why they were removed them from the controllers. So... The one thing that controller is missing is a splash of color. The black and white are a little bit too monochromatic. Uh, in my opinion, like, yeah, you have the blue light from the touchpad, but it's not really as pronounced. The one thing this 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 control is missing is a pop of color. And um, there's no more our iconic face button 
than the PlayStation Array. Like, yeah, we could talk about uh, the B and A from the the NES, you know, the classic ABXY, right? But there's no more, um, you know, classic face button array than the square, triangle, circle, and cross, or some people say X. We say X here in New York. Um, so the fact that they were not colored in for the release of the controller, just kind of do not understand why uh, Sony will make that decision. Just doesn't make any sense to me. Uh, and then the same thing with the PlayStation logo. I wish that had um, that classic, uh, what is it, like that red, green, yellow version of the logo, that kind of old school nostalgia on it. I think that really, really would have made the controller pop um, to have that um, that logo on there, that red I think it's red, yellow, green, if I remember correctly. Um, and then the buttons being that uh, that, that uh, green, pink, blue, and red, which is really, really weird that they would not uh, add them. Uh, another thing I don't like, I don't understand why they will bring back the touchpad and the light bar. Just don't get why these um, are coming back to the system. If there's one thing that I think um sony and even nintendo are you know are really known for is gimmicky input systems you know to the point where i don't think these companies really stop and think how necessary is this um how many different uses can developers get from it and um how long can we make this last so for example i remember when nintendo talked a lot about 3d without glasses i remember when the announcement was first made i said to myself I, I just don't think a lot of people are really going to be using this and then when i first looked at it i mean i had the same reaction that every single person ever that ever used the 3d uh, on 3ds ever had which is this is great for like 30 seconds to a minute and then i'm not i'm going to turn this off immediately so just kind of like those weird, there's no way that these reactions do not exist when it comes to the data that these companies gather. I mean, you know, Sony touted um, speaking to developers a lot when it came to creating the PlayStation 5. And the fact that that's really where they came down to the conclusion that they should focus on the SSD and speed and making it easy to develop for. Uh, so it's just sort of weird that they would have those conversations. I can't imagine any developer saying, you know, what needs to come back that touchpad, <laughs> you know, or it reminds me of the PlayStation Vita with the touchpad on the back. For example, when you first heard that announcement, it's like, yeah, I kind of don't see this getting a lot of use. And, um, you know, the, the, the data exists, right? If I were to ask any PlayStation fan, I mean, look, for me as an owner of the PlayStation 4, um, if someone were to ask me what's the, the functionality that you remember the most out of that, that touchpad of the controller, I will always say I remember hitting a giant button in order to bring up the map in my game because that's really what 99% of the video games used that touchpad for there's not really many games that used it and that's because you know most games you're used to the right stick controlling your camera and then to have to pick up your thumb in order to 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 move something around on the touchpad it just really didn't make any sense so to bring it back in my opinion was really weird unless those rumors about it having a biometric sensor were in there and there's a 
biometric sensor hidden underneath that pad that does something, which I kind of doubt it because they probably would have announced it by now or they would have talked about it when they first talked about the controller. I just don't understand why you bring the touchpad back. Um, all it does is 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 add to the cost of the controller. Um, and it also just limits, um, you know, the... F- you know your ability to 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 move things around maybe they could have had a much more powerful speaker on there or i I don't know one of a million uh things don't don't understand why the light bar is back really don't get that either um from what i remember um the playstation 4 used the light bar uh for vr i think it was used for tracking so unless the light bar is still being used for that purpose but I also don't think that that's the case with this DualSense because the uh, the light bar is in the front, not at the top, pointed at the camera of whatever the future VR system will be for the PlayStation. I'm going to go ahead and guess that they probably found another solution in terms of making sure the controller is tracked by VR for PlayStation 5 for whatever that, that new VR headset that they're working on is. So... Either that or, or or Sony is, which I think they should, are going to go all into PlayStation VR for PlayStation 5, meaning that they're going to have not only just an updated headset, but an updated set of controllers. The Move controllers just don't cut it anymore for VR. They need controllers that you can kind of let go of in your hand, very similar to the Valve Index. So once you get to that point with, with uh, PlayStation, is there really a need for... Um, you know, using a controller for VR games. I think if you're Sony, you do want to go all in on VR. And in order to go all in, you have to have those dedicated VR controllers. So really don't understand why they brought the light bar back. The light bar and the touchpad are just two more things that drain the battery. The PlayStation 4 was notorious for having a bad battery. Um, You know, USB-C does allow for faster charging, which is great. But, um, you know, I'm really concerned about the battery life. I 100% hope that you can turn the light pad off. One of the biggest annoyances about the PlayStation is that you can't turn that light bar off. And for me, Xbox is not exempt from this either. I, I really hate that I can't turn off that white um, button, the, the home button on the Xbox. So if you're playing in a really dark room, it's super annoying to have those things. So kind of hoping that both companies really understand that you need to give us an option to turn these uh, off. And especially for the, for the PlayStation. Once again, I kind of can't think of an instance where I really, really used the light bar or I said, wow, that's really cool when I was doing something with a light bar for PlayStation. So uh, I, I don't know. I just don't understand why you'll bring it back. Um, other notes, I really do like the create. Uh, I'm, I'm interested in what the create button is, you know, since they changed it from share to create. My hope is that it's a quick and easy video clip editor um, or it kind of kicks you into a quick video clip editor so you can uh, very easily share things. You know, Microsoft attempted this with Xbox One, but it ran way too slow. It just took too long to put something together. Um, I think sharing is going to be really, really big for for these uh, companies. So I think it'd be really good to see um, something like that actually um, happen. Um, now, my final point, Jesus, I, I, I've, I've been talking about this controller for a really long time. I just looked at the time. Um, one other thought, actually, once I saw this controller, my final thought on it is there's a part of me that doesn't really believe that the system is going to be white 
So a lot of people are looking at the controller and they're thinking since it's white with a two-tone black, that means that the system is going to be white. I actually disagree. I don't think the system is going to be white. I think it's going to be black with white accents. I think they're going to do sort of a fusion of the both. I do think that that leak of what the uh, debug unit looks like is going to be what the PlayStation looks like. After seeing the controller, it does sort of match up aesthetically with that kind of futuristic look of that that debug unit. And as I said, there's no reason for a company to go that crazy with a debug unit um, and then that design not make it in some form to what it's actually going to finally look like. Um, I was very surprised this controller is white. From what I've always heard in manufacturing, white is always more expensive than black when it comes to unit price cost per plastic. So I was very surprised that, this, that the controller at launch is white dominant. Obviously, the last system that I can remember that came out white at launch was probably the Xbox 360 was white when it first launched. Um, but it's really rare to see a system launch in white. But I don't think that the system is just going to be white. I think it's going to be white and black or dominant black with white. I don't think it's going to actually be all white. Um, but obviously, we'll, we'll just have to um, wait and see um so yeah that, that, that's about it look I've, I've never really been a fan of the playstation controller 100 percent prefer the xbox controller i think the xbox one controller is the greatest controller ever made that's just my personal opinion i think it doesn't get any better than what microsoft has done with their controller um but i like that playstation is sort of catching up in terms of the size was big for me but I really wish that they did more in terms of the trigger and the thumbsticks moving on different axes. So for right now, until I hold the controller, the, the Xbox controller is still going to be my preferred controller for this generation. But, you know, we'll have to wait and see. You know, it, 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 it doesn't really to me, it doesn't really matter what the hell it looks like. It, it matters how it feels when you're actually playing the game. Uh, now, next story is inside Xbox. Last week, Microsoft did have an inside Xbox and they started off by showing an early version of Grounded, which is the upcoming survival adventure game from Obsidian Entertainment. Um, they announced that it is going to arrive on Xbox Preview on July 28th. Now, honestly, when I look at this game, I just have um, just zero, absolute zero interest in this game. It just, it just doesn't look good, right? And... The issue that I'm having with Microsoft showing off this game, it's almost it, it's it's a little scary to be honest with you that they're showing off this game. Um, I'm not a big fan of game previews, especially for established studios, and the reason why is it it makes me feel like you're not very confident in your product that you feel like you need this public feedback like in order to really shape what the game is going to be, which is exactly how Obsidian was selling this game. When they talked about an inside Xbox, they were really talking about like, yeah, we're going to take your feedback um, in terms of, you know, your feedback. I think they were even talking about shaping the direction of the story and things like that. So that's, to me, that's scary. That's, that's weird for a company to do something like that. Um, look, the game just looks awful, right? But, I don't think it's proper to really judge this game um, in that way because obviously it's still very, very early on, especially since it's coming to game preview. But I think that 
in this day and age that we're in right now, about to go into another generation. I just don't think it's smart for companies to show off games at this level in development and especially when it comes to Microsoft. I feel like Sony can get away with game previews a bit better than Microsoft could because Microsoft still has not established a really, really good first-party library. And when I see things like Grounded, I'm like, like, this is what you guys are working on. Like, this is what I'm expecting. You know, obviously this game was in development before Obsidian was purchased by Microsoft. I don't think this is something that they were working on. Kind of like they came to Microsoft and they said, yeah, we're going to finish Outer Worlds. But, you know, in the meantime, we want to work on this game called Grounded. I'm pretty sure that they kind of already were working on that game. And Microsoft just greenlit it um, for it to continue. Um, you know, I kind of like the concept of it. You know, it's very Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, one of my favorite childhood films. But when I look at the game, I'm just, man, this game just doesn't look good. It looks awful. And... I can't get over the visuals of this game um, in order to really dig deeper into what the mechanics are. And I know that there's a lot of people are looking at it in this way. So we'll just have to wait and see. I mean, if it's entering game preview in July, I mean, who knows when this game is actually going to be out. So obviously we'll just have to wait and see. Um, and let's go through kind of rapid fire. It's not really much more to, to go in depth with a lot of these announcements. Forza Street, which is that mobile Forza game, is heading to iOS and Android on May 5th. Playing the game in the first 30 days will earn plays a special car as a welcoming gift. More games announced for Xbox Game Pass. Journey to the Savage Planet is coming to Xbox Game Pass for Xbox One. Football Manager 2020 for PC. Mist Over and Stranger Things 3 The Game are heading to PC Game Pass. And sometime in the future, Human Fall Flat Expansion Thermal, Avastia, Chronicles, and Yakuza Kiwami are going to be available on uh, Game Pass at some point. So, obviously, Microsoft still adding to, to Game Pass. Really surprised. I mean, I'm, I'm constantly surprised at the deals that Microsoft is able to put together. The fact that Journey to the Savage Planet is here sort of makes me feel like maybe that game did not do very well when it first launched. I can think it was going to do very well anyway. Um, but that game has only been out for, I think, a month, maybe two months at the most. So for it to already be on Game Pass was very, very interesting. Uh, Minecraft Dungeon will release on May 26th. They announced a Journey to the Savage Planet expansion called Hot Garbage, which launches on April 15th. So maybe the developers are hoping that people uh, Game Pass will play it, uh, play the base game, and then maybe um, spend money on the expansion, uh, which is once again called Hot Garbage. They showed off Gears Tactics, which drops April 28th, coming first to PC and is going to be on Xbox later this year. I actually think it looks really, really good. I definitely do want to try this game out. Um, they revealed that you play as Gabe Diaz, which is the father of Gears of War 5 protagonist, Kate. Um, if there's one thing that I will say about the Gears team after the first three came out is these guys are, are just really not that good anymore when it comes to creating uh, new characters and character concepts. Like every character that they create, I sort of feel like inside of, of, of that studio that builds Gears of War, they have like an internal Gears of War character creator and they just swap out hairs and noses. I don't know, like every character, especially from a built standpoint, like that's the silhouette of each individual character is almost like, you know... Um, 
lather, rinse, repeat when it comes to the ways that they look. So when I looked at this guy, Gabe Diaz, I was like, there's just nothing interesting about this character. I just found it kind of weird. Um, they did announce there will be custom cosmetic options, but there will be no loot boxes or microtransactions. I'm actually really looking forward to trying it out. That comes out April 28th. Um, they announced that several countries in Western Europe now have a chance to check out Project X Cloud for themselves. EA is adding Dragon Age Inquisition Arrival 2 and Sims 4 to that um, test. So it, it's it's really, really good to hear uh, Microsoft's project, uh, excuse me, process on Project X Cloud. They've really done a lot in terms of um, uh, testing this system at a really, really good pace. To the point that it's not very far-fetched to believe that when this launches, it will it will be the most stable um, cloud system that we've seen so far. I really, really like the way that Microsoft has been rolling out this beta, starting off with Android, starting off, and I think they only started off in U.S., starting off with a few games. I think it was, what, five games or something like that, and then just rolling it out uh, every few months to, to, to more regions, adding more games, and once again, that beta being completely free top to bottom. So it's really good to see what Microsoft has been doing with that. Uh, they hot-dropped Hotline Miami Collection. It was announced and then available on the same day. Uh, May 28th, a game named Atomicrops, and then they announced a new Sea of Thieves update arriving on April 22nd called Ships of Fortune. Um, which looked, uh, I don't I, I don't replace really Sea of Thieves, but it has cats in it, so I'm sure that it will probably blow up. So, you know, not, not really too many huge revelations from this Inside Xbox. It was kind of an Inside Xbox at home edition. Um, so, uh, but it's, it's good to see uh, Microsoft's um, progress when it comes to xCloud. And you kind of slowly are seeing Microsoft putting their ducks in a row, getting ready for what they feel the next generation is going to be, which is a lot more software and service focused. Our final story for the day or for the week is Animal Crossing and China, Animal Crossing New Horizons. So listings for Animal Crossing New Horizons have been taken down from online Chinese stores Pin Duo Duo and Taobao. The removal of listings for the game comes after some players in China have been using the game to share messages criticizing the country's president Xi Jinping and Hong Kong's chief executive Carrie Lam. There were screenshots shared of Taobao's order to sellers claiming that all products related to the title, including physical copies of it, merchandise, and special edition consoles are all subject to the ban. But it looks like right now, the only sweeping part of that ban are really um, focused on the physical copies of the game. Now, Taobao and Pinduoduo are, Duo, or I think, I don't know about Pinduoduo, Duo, but I think Taobao is the biggest e-commerce website in China or one of the biggest. Um, I think it's comparable to eBay. I'm not 100% sure, but I think it's something where you, you can just uh, sign up as a setter, seller and list things. So one a, a lucrative business in China is importing video games, importing video game systems, simply because in China there are no official channels to get a lot of those games. If you remember correctly, Nintendo Switch was launched in China um, just last year for the first time, and it launched with one game because that was the only game that was approved by the government. Um, for those that don't know, every time you go into China to try to sell video games or any type of media, 
you have to partner up with someone from China. Nintendo's partner is Tencent. And um, everything has to go through an approval process. You just can't um, release a game. And uh, companies that create the products aren't the ones that are self-regulating. They're being regulated by the government. Now, this is a... Now, let's go into a quote from Joshua Wong, who is a Hong Kong political activist. Since the 2014 protest, told Wired, quote, Animal Crossing is a place without political censorship, so it is a good place to continue our fight. Free Hong Kong Revolution now reads a message outside his villager's front door in the game. Now, last year, we had an episode of the show called, uh, I think it was, I think it was called BlizzCon, kind of a play on those words, and was talking about the whole issue with Blizzard and um, uh, their censorship and punishment for that player that decided to go on the stream and show support for Hong Kong. For whatever reason, I can't remember the player's name at this moment. Um, and then at the same time, the NBA was dealing with their own issues when it came to China and a, uh, what was it, the manager, I think it was, of the Toronto Raptors showing his support um, for Hong Kong. Um, and the fact that there are just a lot of consequences of that person saying what they said. And the same thing happened when it came to uh, Blizzard and the consequences that they put forth towards those players that decided to practice their freedom of speech and speak up about a very, very important world issue now the reason why i wanted to bring this up briefly on the show is that this is the story right that's it that's the end of the story the end of the story is animal crossing new horizons has been pulled from e-commerce stores and no one knows the exact reason why all these sellers are just being told told um by these companies that um these products are subject to to bans and they're not allowed to sell it anymore now, there is no official connection between what people have been doing inside the game and the fact that these games are being um, kind of taken away from these virtual store shelves. But, I mean, come on, right? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's not far-fetched to draw that line between these two um, things happening and realizing that it can't just be a coincidence and the reason why i wanted to talk about this um briefly on the show is that there are a lot of companies that want you as a consumer to believe in what they're telling you in terms of we should be able to separate um what we believe in here in this country separate it from the beliefs of other countries in the pursuit of profit in the pursuit of making money. At some point, all these companies come to the same realization, which is that China is the biggest untapped market in the world for a lot of the things that they're doing, right? For Hollywood, it was with their films. Um, for publishing houses, it was probably um, when it came to their books. And for um, video game companies, it's obviously it comes down to their video games. Um, they obviously come to a realization that in order to expand, in order to grow exponentially within their companies, they're going to have to at some point enter China as a market. Now, once you do that, you have to give things up in order to go into China. And that might mean that 
it doesn't matter what the original vision was for the people that created the product, right? It doesn't matter what the original vision was for the team that created Animal Crossing. It doesn't matter what the original vision was for the team that's worked on a film that has, you know, a depiction or, or a scene where two women kiss, for example. It doesn't matter what the reasoning was for those uh, choices when they, when they uh, put them into their respective projects. All that matters is that profit. And in order for us to get that profit, we're going to have to modify our product. And the reason why I bring this up is don't believe these companies when they try to convince you as a consumer that this is just what we have to do in order to grow. We need these profits in order to sustain ourselves. It's it's a bunch of BS. And to see what's happening uh, when it comes to something like Animal Crossing, there's a few things to take away from this. Number one, it's just probably, it's just the nail in the coffin for Animal Crossing being officially released in uh, China in some capacity. After, to see this happening, I don't think there's any way in hell that China is going to approve Animal Crossing um, being released within China unless um, Nintendo decides to modify the game. And the way they're going to have to modify the game is they're going to have to take away customizing. You know, everything when it comes to creating a pattern, the entire pattern design of Animal Crossing is going to have to be removed in order for it to be released in China. And... It's, it will be very sad to see if Nintendo does take that approach because it's Nintendo bowing down and taking that knee and saying that this really, really fundamental core part of our franchise, because it's not a core part of this game, it's a core part of the Animal Crossing franchise, which is that freedom of expression. Um, We've decided to take that out in order to make some profit. So it's going to be really interesting to see if China ever tries, I mean, excuse me, if Nintendo ever tries to officially release Animal Crossing in China. Then at that point, I think it's the time to be very, very vocal towards Nintendo and, and, and tell them, in my opinion, that they're making the wrong choice when it comes to things like this. But there's not an outright ban on, on Animal Crossing right now in China. It's it's actually not very hard. You, if you buy a system, all you have to do is change the region to North America, and you can just download Animal Crossing just straight off of the eShop. Um, but this is just yet another example, in my opinion, of companies and executives making these decisions to put profit over um, beliefs and profit over everything that we hold true within this country which is freedom of speech and i do think that a lot of people in this country take freedom of speech and you know outright just a lot of the freedoms that we have i think they do take it for granted um, on a daily daily basis and then think about how oppressed a lot of these other countries are when it comes to being able to say whatever the hell you want you know right now anybody any player right now across the United States can, you know, put pictures of Donald Trump anywhere on their island. You know, Donald Trump, whatever, doing anything, right? Those and 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 know that absolutely nothing is going to happen to them, and know that they can share freely on their Twitter and their YouTube and all that stuff, and be perfectly okay with having that freedom to criticize our government, to criticize our leadership 
ever in whatever way we can. And right now, for a lot of people in Hong Kong and in China, this game it might sound kind of weird that a lot of them are using the game in this way. But you do have to understand that there aren't very many channels and avenues that aren't controlled by the government. Like this is kind of one of those last free bastions for freedom of speech um, when it comes to expressing themselves over in these other countries. And to see um, a country try their best to oppress it. And Jesus, that, that was quick, too. I mean, we're talking about the game has only been out for less than a month. And um, companies are already being told to take down their listings. I mean, we haven't seen how far this has gone. There's a rumor that um, China has asked Nintendo to, to, to turn off the online feature in Animal Crossing if it's being played in China. But that's just a rumor. None of that has actually been proven. We haven't heard any stories of brick and mortar shops in China being asked to not sell the game. So it hasn't really gone that far yet. So it'll be interesting to see exactly how the story develops when, when I do next week's episode, if there's an update, I will definitely um, put that out there. Um, and Nintendo themselves obviously have not responded to it, which is the right thing to do. This is kind of, you don't want to touch this, but it's also one of those things that really frustrates me about a lot of these companies that choose to enter China as a market is in my opinion, you don't have the right to stay quiet. You don't have the right to just brush us off. You don't have the right um, to exist here as an American company or even, you know, Nintendo's a Japanese company, but obviously uh, Nintendo of America is a huge, huge part of that company. You give up that right to stay quiet. You give up that right to kind of just tell people, well, you know, go talk to Tencent. They're the ones that handle our market in China. I think you kind of give that up when you decide to enter China as a market, especially if you exist in a market where you have the complete freedom of speech, freedom to sort of just do obviously not freedom of consequences but do and say anything that you want as a company you give up that right to stay quiet so it really just annoys me to see companies that enter this market knowing full well what they're doing knowing that hey we're entering a market um of a you know of a regime of totalitarian regime where you know these aren't rumors right these aren't conspiracy theories there there are there um, are enough facts out there um, for you to understand just how deeply oppressive and how far China will go um, to quiet their citizens from speaking up against the government. So once again, if you're a company that enters again, even you know, uh, Nintendo, Microsoft, Sony, doesn't matter. Um, you give up that right to just stay completely quiet and choose to not address something like this, especially if the situation continues to escalate, you know, maybe the way that Nintendo looks at it is uh, who cares people, if they really want to play our game, they'll just change the region and they'll just buy it, whatever. We're still going to make our money. Um, it will really suck if that's the way that they, they uh, choose to look at it. Um, obviously this is still a developing story. So we'll have to wait and see exactly where this goes from now. Hot releases for the week. Not really much. April 14th. Um, Fallout 76 gets an expansion, Wastelanders, for PC, PS4, and Xbox One. Uh, I, I really don't uh, know who's still playing this game. I do not understand why the hell Bethesda still has not made this game free to play. Shoulder shrug, just don't get it. Do not understand why Bethesda hasn't made that move, um, especially um, with Wastelanders about to be released. You're leaving a lot of money on the table 
but not even at the very least taking advantage of people staying at home right now and saying, hey, guess what, guys? Fallout 76, we're going to make it free to download for a week. Download now, keep the game, and then and that way generate revenue for this upcoming expansion of Wastelanders, which adds NPCs, which I know that's something that a lot of Fallout fans have been waiting for to be added into Fallout 76. So just really stupid business moves from Bethesda. I don't get it. April 15th, Vampire Masquerade, Coteries of New York finally comes to Xbox One. And that's it. Time to wrap it up. These are the stories we didn't have time to get to. Google Stadia Pro decides to go free to play for two months. Now, Google is spinning this as a stay-at-home initiative. Um, like, hey, you know, we want you guys to stay at home. Uh, so we're going to give it away for free, but we're going to, you know, uh, regulate the bandwidth. There will be no more 4K streaming. It's just going to be 1080p, even if you have Pro. Um and I feel like Google is spinning this in a terms of like, this is our initiative to get you to stay at home. That's a bunch of BS. This is literally Google. <laughs> this is a, a marketing opportunity that Google is taking advantage of. In my opinion, this should have been done weeks ago um, from Google. They should have definitely already made this free to play. Um, it's really weird that they decide to make Stadia Pro free to play, even though a Stadia base is still not free. Kind of just doesn't make any sense that they don't already have a Stadia based version. Um, and obviously they're not going to release it now because of bandwidth around the, the, the world when it comes to everything that we're going through with COVID-19. Um, I, I, I don't see this having an impact kind of at all. <laughs> I think if, even if this is free to play and look pro does bring those free games, even for me personally, I have not felt the need to download Stadia at all to even give it a try during this free play period. I just I honestly don't care. I think there are a lot of people who feel like me, which is like, look, if you weren't into Stadia before, them giving you a free two months is really not going to change it at all. Um, while Resident Evil 3 released to lukewarm reviews, Capcom announced that it has shipped more than 2 million copies in its first five days of release, showing that obviously what Capcom is able to do with Resident Evil is still going strong. I mean, I was just thinking about this today before I record this show. Does ever do you remember when there were rumors that Capcom was doing so bad that they were there were conversations about being sold to Nintendo? You remember that? And now here we are, a few years later, and Capcom seems to be one of the biggest, you know, producers and developers in the world right now. It seems like they can't miss with Monster Hunter, with Devil May Cry, with Resident Evil. Um, all these franchises that they're taking advantage of, and it's like, wow, these guys kind of can't miss right now this is really interesting um so it's good to see that resident evil 3 is uh doing really really well two minute copies in the first five days is a really good start meanwhile multiple sources have told vgc that resident evil 4 is being remade by the osaka-based studio m2 that's the new studio founded by former platinum games head tatsuya minami with an estimated release window of 2022 now Resident Evil 4, in my opinion, is one of the best games ever created. Hands down, no arguments in my top 10 that are alive forever. Um, we'll never forget playing out an original GameCube. Just, a, 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 in my opinion, a genre-shaping release for video games history. Um, and obviously, we know every single product that comes out, Resident Evil 4 has to be ported to it. So it's 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 time for this game to be remade and remastered from the bottom up. One thing that I was surprised by, I was surprised by the reception of this news. There are a lot of people on Twitter that have been saying like, oh, don't do it. This game is perfect the way it is. Don't remake it. 
just doesn't really make any sense to me why you would feel that way seeing what capcom did with resident evil 2 i can understand if resident evil 2 was just a terrible remake did poorly but we're talking about resident evil 2 was just unanimously critically accepted it was obviously outside of sales the fans absolutely love what capcom did with resident evil 2 don't understand why you would not expect them to do just as great a job with Resident Evil 4, especially hearing this rumor that the game is being broken down, put back together, and we can expect it in 2022. The game has been um, rumored to be in development for, I think they said since 2020 right now, which would, would, would give it... That doesn't sound right. Two-year cycle, maybe? That, that sounds kind of short, so I don't think that's right. Um, but yeah, I, I, I look at this, I'm like, this is great. Uh, this is... I, I would love absolutely nothing more than for capcom to remaster resident evil 4 it's it's long long overdue for this game to be absolutely remastered i'm tired of playing the ports i've played almost every single port that's come out still one of my favorite games of all time so you know 100 i support this that's a that's a day one purchase for me uh and that's it before we go shout out to riot games so riot games valorant has taken over the industry beginning with almost a million viewers tuning up to twitch just to watch gameplay so a few weeks ago valorant had invited um a lot of influencers to try the game out and they allowed them to record their sessions and then the valorant kind of uh new cycle began when they dedicated a single day to allowing those streamers to show off the gameplay on their streams, not even to actually play the game. So a bunch of people were just tuning in to watch the gameplay, hear the streamers, give their thoughts on the game. And then I think some Riot, some people from the company Riot Games um, popped up in streams to, to, to talk about the game. Um, so a million viewers is tuning into that. And then according to Twitch and reported by The Verge, a week after that, I think it was, Valorant opened up the closed beta. And once that released, they broke the single day hours watch records in a single game category for Twitch uh, with 34 million hours watch. It also reached 1.7 million concurrent users, I mean, excuse me, viewers, which is currently the record for total viewers held by both the League of Legends World Championships and the Fortnite's The End event. So 1.7 million people watching at the same time. Really, really big. Now, I am going to add an asterisk to that. And the reason why I'm going to add an asterisk to them tying sort of that concurrent viewership record to League of Legends and Fortnite is because out of those three, Valorant was the only one that had an incentive attached, which is the only way for regular uh, players to get into the closed beta is to watch streamers that had drops enabled um, playing the beta in order to get a chance to actually get into the game so that's really the reason why they had that many viewers let's be honest they would not have reached that many in my opinion if they did not have that incentive or that drop um and that's it that's really it for this week thank you so much for joining me please follow us on twitter and instagram at kemp koji for future updates stay safe stay home wash your hands and once again i'm joel and i will see you next week